John chapter 9, find your place. And when you find your place, I invite you to stand for God's reading of God's word. I'll be honest with you, I've struggled with where to, not where to start reading, but where to stop reading. But I promise you, I won't read the entire chapter, but I could. And there wouldn't nothing be wrong with that. But I do want to, there's a whole lot in this chapter. It's all revolved around one story. And I say story, y'all understand what I mean by that? I don't mean no fictional story. I don't mean no made-up fairy tale. I mean a real live account, what happened. But it's all surrounding this one thing. And it's amazing what happened, but there's a lot of stuff going on here. But chapter number 9, John chapter number 9, and verse number 1. And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin? This man or his parents, that he was born blind. Jesus answered them, Neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me, while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay and said unto him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. He went his way therefore and washed, watch this, and came seeing. Would you look in verse, would you skip on down to verse number 35? The Bible said Jesus heard that they had cast him out. This, this blind man that now can see. They cast him out. And when he had found him, he said unto him, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? And Jesus said unto him, Thou hast both seen him, and it is he that talketh with thee. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. Would you help us pray? Father, we love you because you first loved us. God, you passed by our way one day and saw our need. Lord, you saw our need, whether we recognized it or not, you saw our need before. I know you saw it before we recognized it. You passed by our way. You stopped one day. For me, it was as a little, little boy, as a young little elementary school boy, you stopped by my way. And God, you looked at where I was and looked at what I was and looked where I was headed. God, you brought light into my darkness. God, and you gave me sight. And God, we've just read about you doing the same thing for a blind man. God, I'm glad in 2023 you can still make a blind eye to see and a blind heart, a dark heart, you can bring it into the light. Father, I pray this morning you'd help me preach with power and unction of the Holy Spirit of God. And I pray that we'd shine the light. But I pray that you'd give some sight this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing for the word of God. I want to just say a few things about, and by way of introduction, we'll get right into the message this morning. But in the harmonies of the gospel, 
There are about 35 miracles listed in the gospel accounts. Eight of them deal with Jesus healing a blind man. Eight of the 35, if you don't know, that is about right around almost a quarter of the uh, a quarter of the miracles listed in the Gospels would have to do with Jesus healing a blind man, giving sight to the blind. You say, what does that have to do with anything? Well, in the book of Isaiah specifically, but all through the Old Testament, it is prophesied that the Messiah, when he comes, he will give sight unto the blind. He will give sight to Matter of fact, it is a miracle in the Old Testament that is specifically reserved for the Messiah. You read the Old Testament and you'll find not one Old Testament prophet. All the miracles they did were amazing. I mean, Elijah, look at the miracles that God allowed him to perform. Look at the miracles that God allowed Elisha to perform. Jeremiah, other miracles, Ezekiel, things that he saw Ezekiel do and and we see Ezekiel do. And those Old Testament prophets, you you won't see any of them give sight to a blind man. You look in the gospel accounts and watch the disciples. And the disciples were given certain miraculous power. And the apostles were given certain miraculous power. And they were able to heal people of many different diseases, many different sicknesses. They would take the lame and give them, and they would be able to walk again. Uh, the, uh, the sick would be made whole. Uh, I mean, listen, as great of miracles as you would see them accomplish in the New Testament, not one of them were able to give sight to the blind. And so Jesus, I mean the Messiah in the Old Testament, it, this, the, the Messiah was told that he would give sight to the blind. And that specific miracle was reserved for the Messiah. And here we are in chapter number 9. I want you to understand there's a lot going on here, but in chapter number 7 and 8, there's been this long discourse between the Pharisees and Jesus. That religious crowd and uh, and Jesus and for for seven for, for chapter seven and chapter eight uh, they uh, Jesus has presented them over and over again. I am God. I am the Son of God. I am the Messiah. I am the one you're looking for. I'm the bread of life. I'm the light of the world. I am He whom thou art to believe on. And time and time again, they keep rejecting and keep rejecting, keep rejecting, keep turning away, keep turning away, keep turning away. And now, in chapter number 9, he is about to present a case to them they cannot argue with. He's about to present a case to them they cannot deny. Because there's nobody that can give sight to the blind except the Messiah. And they know it. They know the prophecies. They know the prophets. They know the power that the prophets have. And they know that if somebody comes giving sight to the blind, that's God. And that's, that's the one they've been looking for. Here in chapter number 9, it's interesting to me in chapter number 9, i got to say this by way of introduction too, look at the way chapter number 8 ends. Look at chapter 8. Chapter 8 ends like this. It says that they then they took they up stones to cast at him. That, that's talking about Jesus. They are wanting to kill Jesus. They want to stone him to death. But God didn't send him down to here to be stoned to death. 
And so, but it says, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them. It's amazing. He hid himself in the midst of them. That's a God thing, I guess. And so, watch this, and so passed by. Pick up in verse number one of chapter nine. Understand this. God didn't put the verses in chapters here. It just, the story just keeps going on. And as Jesus passed by. I got to make this note. It's amazing to me. They are about to kill him. They want to kill him. They are wanting to lay hold on him. They want to arrest him. He is going through the midst of the crowd. He's going out of the temple. He is escaping death. He is escaping their arrest. And all of a sudden, he sees a blind man. And that blind man, if he's like any other begging blind man, he is right outside the temple. He is right outside the temple. Why? Because he figures religious folks would help him out. He figured that religious crowd that knows their Bible would help him out and give him some money. And there Jesus is, hiding in the midst of them, walking away from being arrested. And all of a sudden he sees a blind man and he doesn't just walk by, but thank God he stops by. Hallelujah to God. He sees a blind man and he sees his need and he sees where he's at and he does not just walk by but he stands there he stops because he's got something that blind man needs it's amazing to me that blind man didn't call out to him there was other blind men in the Bible that did call out to him. There were other blind men that said, Thou son of David, have mercy on me. But this blind man, as far as we know, didn't pull his coattail. Uh, didn't say, Hey, thou son of David, or hey, mister, or hey, sir, or hey, anybody, can somebody help me? Uh, all we see here is Jesus is running in persecution. I hate to say running, but y'all get what I mean. He is leaving persecution and he stomps by uh, to take care of somebody. I'm glad God cares about us like that. Amen. Hallelujah. I just thought I'd throw that in for good measure. That's good stuff. But I see here tonight, or this morning, I see here today, I see this blind man, and I see a picture of all of us. I see a picture in this blind man of every man, woman, boy, and girl. And I want to preach on this morning, God be my helper. I was blind, but now I see. I was blind, but now I see. Notice first the spiritual blindness. You say, spiritual blindness? What do you mean? Don't you understand that spiritual blindness makes beggars out of us all? We'll get there in just a minute. But look at verse number one. Verse number one. The Bible says, and as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And this man is an illustration uh, that the Lord is going to use. Uh, he is using this man as an illustration of a, a deeper message, a, a bigger message. And all miracles that Jesus performed were like that. They were bigger messages than just the miracle. And we'll get there in just a moment. But, in, but remember this. In John, John's gospel, he begins the gospel in John chapter 1 and verse number 4. Y'all remember what he said in John chapter 1 verse 4? If you don't remember, just flip your Bible. It's open book test. John chapter 1 and verse number 4, Jesus, John said this, in him, who's him? That word that he was talking about in verse number 1 and 2, the word in him was life. Watch this. And the life was the light of man. In him was life. What is that referring to? Well, verse number 3 says, all things were made by him, and without him not anything was made that was made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. This is referring back to creation. You go back to creation, and Adam, Adam, in Adam there was the light of life in him. But what happened when Adam sinned? 
What happened when Adam sinned? Well, Adam, Adam lost his life. He lost that light that was in him. Listen, God made Adam perfect. God made Adam in a perfect state, in a perfect environment. When God created him, there was nothing wrong with Adam. And God lived with Adam, and I believe God lived in Adam. When he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, he became a living soul. Hey, listen, and God made Adam as a temple of God. He was just like we are now that we're saved, but he made Adam a temple of God. And God said, in the day that you sin against me, you're going to die. When you eat of that fruit, that's Genesis 2 and 17. I'm, I'm paraphrasing here. But he says, you eat of this fruit, that day you're going to surely die. You're going to die. Now, when, when Adam sinned against God, he did die. You say, oh, no, he lived hundreds of years later. Now, physically, he didn't die. Physically, he didn't die, but he died spiritually. Why? Because the life of God went out of him. In him, in Christ, was life, and that lie, and the life was the light of men. And so, listen, and, and listen. So, when you think about when the Lord went out of Adam, life went out. Watch this, and the lights went out. The light, not not plural. There's no plural. The light went out. When life went out, light went. Out. Watch this. Adam was in darkness. Adam was spiritually in darkness. And watch this. Now we are the sons of Adam. Now we are the descendants of Adam now, and we have that nature. We have Adam's nature. We have Adam, and we are born into darkness. We are minus that life, that light that's in us. And so man is born blind. And this man that's born blind is an illustration of every man, woman, boy, and girl uh, that has born without the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a picture of all of us. See, when the Lord's not in our life, you are depraved. You say, can you believe that so-and-so would do such a thing? Yep, they don't, they, they're not saved. They're not saved. They, they're potentially, they can potentially do anything as, as awful as you can think of. They're depraved. I'm not letting no Calvinist steal words from me either. Amen. They're depraved. What happens when the Lord is not in our life? Then you're dead, spiritually dead in our trespasses and sins. What happens when the Lord's not a part of our life? You are living a life that is darkened. And so you're depraved, you're dead, you're darkened because you don't have the light of the Lord in you when you're lost. That's what it means to be lost, to live in darkness. Listen to me this morning. To be lost, you don't have to be a rapist. To be lost, you don't have to be a murderer. To be lost, you don't have to be a bank robber or an arsonist, or a blasphemer. To be lost just to mean to be without God, to be without Christ, to be without life, to be without the light. And we're sons of Adam, and in Adam all men die. As by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. So death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. The wages of sin... Is death. And so depraved and dead and darkened. Some of you to this morning may believe that you're not lost because you've never done some gross immoral thing. 
You may think that you're not lost because you've never lived a vile, wretched life. You may think you're not lost because you may have a good record and the church attendance are in the religious world. But my friend, you without Christ, you are dead and depraved and you are darkened. You are blind without Christ. In him is life and in the life is the light of the world. Number one, this man was blind. You're blind. What did, what, did, what did Jesus tell Nicodemus in John chapter 3? Y'all remember what he said? To he says, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You think God was just throwing words together? Or you think he meant see the kingdom of God? He's talking about that eyes. He says this, he's saying this, you might have physical sight. You may can see the physical stuff. You may can see the material stuff, but you won't understand the spiritual things. You won't see those things. What about Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 18? Ephesians 4 and verse number 18, he says this, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. He says this, our understanding is darkened. Our, why? Because we're alienated, alienated from the life of God. You don't have the life, you don't have light. And so your understanding is darkened because of blindness of the heart. See, there's, one more, there's, there's more than one kind of blindness. There is the blindness of eyes, but there's the blindness of heart. And this man was blind. I can't imagine what it would be like to be blind. I can't, I can't really imagine. I don't know, you know, I, I, know, um, I, know, I know men, I know, I know a man specifically, uh, that that became blind, and uh, and and I asked him. I said, you know, how how did how do you you know? He, he, I said, how do you get around? He said, you know, I have a. He said, I, I can I can remember what some things look like. You know, it's been years. He's been blind for a long, long time. But 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 he remembers some shapes of certain things. But but I can't imagine being born blind. Can can you imagine never seeing a sunrise? Some of you have never done that because you never got out of bed early enough. <laughs> Can you imagine never seeing the beauty? As we drove up that mountain yesterday, those of you that were able to come, wasn't that beautiful? My goodness. I mean, walking around those trails, it's so beautiful. I can't imagine never seeing that. I, can ne I can't imagine having to explain colors to somebody. You know what I'm saying? You know, we, we teach our children what the name of the color is, but we don't have to explain them what the color looks like, right? We might say this is called blue, but they, well before they knew the word blue, they knew what it looked like, right? Can you imagine explaining that to somebody? I can't imagine explaining that. I can imagine being born blind and not being able to see. I can't imagine not being able to see my wife or see my children, see you. I can't imagine that. But that blindness of the eyes it's just a picture of the blindness of our hearts. He was blind. Watch it. He wasn't just blind. He was born blind. The Bible says was blind from his birth. Now let's examine verse number two for a minute. This is really, really crazy. Verse number two. Look what his disciples ask. Saying, Master, who did sin? Who did sin? This man or his parents that he was born blind? Now, so automatically, these men associate blindness with sin. 
And it's good, we're going to here in just a minute too, but, but he, they're saying this man is blind because somebody has sinned. You know what? His parents could have sinned to cause his blindness, right? There are blindness, there is blindness. Babies could be born blind because of the, 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 way, the, mother, way, the way the mother did while she was carrying that baby, right? There's known cases, uh, medical cases of blindness because of a venereal disease or something that the mother had. And as the, as the baby passes through all of that in the mother's body, uh, that it causes blindness. So, so there could be a sin that causes blindness. There really could be. But here's what I think is just real foolish. I, maybe, and I, kids don't repeat the preacher, maybe stupid. They say, they say this, who did sin? This man. I scratched my head when I read that. I thought, wait a minute. How did this man sin and to be born blind? Did he sin in his mama's womb? What did he do? Like kick her too hard or something? <laughs> or, or, or do these disciples believe in some kind of reincarnation? What do they, what do they mean? It's kind of, how did this little baby before it's born sin to be born blind. These men are not thinking about their question. They're popping off at the mouth like some of us do sometimes, right? Again, I don't know what it is, but I just think this is a crazy, I think it's a pretty stupid question. And Jesus is a lot better than I am, and obviously y'all know that because I would have said something. I thought, that was stupid. What kind of question was that? You know, us educators, we kind of say there's no such thing as a stupid question. Yeah, there are. That's a stupid one. That, that's dumb. But he doesn't respond to that. I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't go there. This is what it says in verse 3. Neither had this man sinned, and I would say, duh, but he didn't, nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. This boy is not a product of sin. Now, blindness can be a product of sin. But this boy's blindness is not a product of sin. Now, now I know some spiritual person, well, all of our sicknesses is a product of sin. And you're right. I understand that. I know, I know, I know. But they're trying to say directly because of sin. You know, yeah, you get a cold and a flu because of sin, because sin nature, and we're going to die one day. But just because you don't, just because you have a cold or flu doesn't mean you obviously got some gross sin in your life and you need to repent and get right with God, right? So this blind man, I know ultimately it's all because of sin. But Jesus says this is not because of his sin or his mother's sin or his father's sin. This is about God's glory. So God's work can be made manifest. I'm going to use this man to show the work of God. He's born blind. Now watch this. We're all born blind. We are all born blind. Spiritually we are born blind. Look, take your Bibles to Psalm 51, if you will. Psalm 51. If you don't know Psalm 51, it is a wonderful book. It's a wonderful chapter of repentance and, uh, and, and forgiveness. And I uh, don't have time for all the backstory here, but, but Psalm 51, verse number 5. Psalm 51, verse number 5. David says, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity and in sin, did my mother conceive me? Now that does not mean that David or us is a product of, of, a, of a premarital relationship. That doesn't mean that, that, that David was conceived out of wedlock. Okay? This simply means, in sin did my mother conceive, it means that I, I'm born a sinner. 
I am born, it's in my conception, I am born with a sinful nature. Now, now we'll get here in a minute. It doesn't mean I absolutely know what sin is, right? Our little babies will sin by lying to us because they're not hungry, they're not wet, but they cry. They make you think they're hungry or they're wet or something's wrong and you realize they just spot. Can you tell I got a baby at home right now? <laughs> and they lie. Deceptive little devils. But they don't know it yet. So daddy's got to teach them. Right? Mama's got to teach them. And you got to do that right. But, but what that does mean, there's a sin nature born in all of us. We are born with a sin nature. Ephesians 2 and 3 said this, among whom also we all, all, all had our conversation in time past who in the, in the lust of the flesh fulfilling the desires of the flesh of the mind who were by nature the children of wrath even as others. We all were. I know your little grandchildren are angels. You know, I know that. But they're born sinners. I know you can't believe that, but it's true. Born blind. He's blind, he's born blind, but watch as he becomes a beggar. Look in verse number eight. In the text, verse number 8, back in John 9, sorry, John 9, verse number 8, says this, the neighbors therefore, so they call together, the neighbors therefore, and, the, and they, they which before had seen him that he was blind, they come, they come together and they say, is not this he that sat and begged? We've seen him before. We know him. He sits out the te- outside the temple all the time begging. And, and blindness and begging went together in that society. Why? Well, they didn't have all these government programs. And uh, even though the Jews were supposed to take care of their disabled, they didn't. The Jews would look down on anybody with disabilities, especially if they were born with them, and they would not give them, they would not help them, they would not <coughs> give them jobs or anything like that. So this blind man, and, and there wasn't no braille to read, and there was no uh, helps for a blind like they would be today. And uh, so there was no hope for this man to make money. So all the hope he has is being a beggar. He becomes a beggar. He's born blind. He becomes a beggar. He, and you know what he does? He represents every one of us without the Lord Jesus Christ. You know why? Because what grace, what did, what did, what did God, I'm sorry, what did God create man to be? He made him in his own image to be king. You say, oh, I don't know about that. Well, well he's told he, when he created him in, in, in creation, when he made them on the, sixth, seventh, on the sixth day, when he made man, he put them in dominance over everything in this world. He put us in dominance. Now, I try to remind myself when that vicious dog is coming after me. I'm like, I'm, in, I'm the king. I'm dominant. And I'm like, no, I'm running. <laughs> but, but reality, we are supposed to be dominant of creation. So God said, I didn't say it. God said it. And so God made us to be king. He made us to be a king. And when God created Adam and Eve, he placed them in the garden of Eden. He gave them dominion. And they were supposed to rule in that garden. They were king and queen of planet earth. They would have dominion. But man who was created to be king, a spiritual king, is now a blind beggar. Now, because Adam fell, because Adam was sinned, because Adam disregarded the law of God, because Adam went his own way, now the king is a beggar. Now the one who is supposed to dominate is being dominated by sin. 
The one who is supposed to rule the world, so to speak, is now the world is ruling him. He's depraved. He's dead. He's darkened. Adam is far. He's a blind beggar. Without Christ, you and I are blind beggars. Blind from our birth. Begging. Some of you say, I'm not blind. I'm fine. Revelation 3 and 17. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. And knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I ain't no beggar. I got all the money I need. Oh, you may have all the money you need. But you're poor. You're blind. You're wretched and miserable and naked before the eyes of God. God sees everything about you. So here we see spiritual blindness. Look in verse number two. Let's read verses, no, verse number three. <clears throat> and on, I see not only the spiritual blindness, but I see sight to the blind man. Jesus answered, neither have this man sin nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Now watch what happens. When he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay and said unto him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. He went his way, therefore, and washed and came seeing. Notice now what happens. This Born, this blind man from birth, begging, again, representing everybody without the Lord Jesus Christ, representing all of us. Now we see this man, blind man, standing before the light of the world. The blind man is in front of the light of the world. The light of the world was in his presence. There he was in the sunshine. There he was in the light, but he could not see. The light, I mean, listen, this is the middle of the day as far as we understand. The sun was shining, S-U-N was shining, but he's standing in front of the S-O-N, but yet he was blind. I don't, you take a blind man out in the high noon daytime, and they don't know the difference, right? Just because they're out in the light doesn't mean they can see. Here's the thing. A blind man, a blind man needs more than light to see. Follow on. A, a, a blind man may not see the light, but a blind man will be a fool to deny the light. Right? Just because you can't see something don't mean it's not there. Just because you can't see the light doesn't mean it's not light. And so, so here's the thing. The scripture tells us a, a man needs more than light. He needs sight. See, see, there can be no sight without light, but there can be light without sight. Well, well you know, I'm not following. Good, hold on. Listen. A man could be standing blind at high noon and still not see. 
But if he's going to see, he's going to have to have some light. So you can have light without sight, but you can't have sight without light. Listen, man needs more than just light to be saved. They cannot be saved without the light, but they need sight. Here, here's where I'm going with this, all this. We have a responsibility to give the gospel to the world. Here's why. Because that's the light. And if we don't get the light out, they're not going to be saved. You listen. They can't be saved without light. They can't get their sight without light. But they can have all the light without sight. So our job is to get the light out. God's got to give them sight. Here, here, here's the principle. 2 Corinthians. Take your Bible to 2 Corinthians chapter 4 real quick. 2 Corinthians chapter number 4. See what God said about this, this thing. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I'll be done real quick. Verse number 4. Chapter 4. Chapter 4. Verse number 3. Said this. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. Listen. Listen. If you're hiding your gospel, you're hiding from the lost world. And Wednesday night, I asked the church, how many of y'all believe it is our sole responsibility to get the gospel of the world? And almost everybody raised their hand. There's some rebellious that didn't. It's because they need to be saved, what I believe. You ain't got to like that. That's right. But if you don't believe it's our job to get the gospel of the world, you don't have the gospel. You got some other gospel, which is not another gospel. But 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 here's you hide your gospel, you're hiding it from them that are lost. And look what it says in verse number four: "In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them." Here's what it said. Satan cannot put out the light, but he sure can blind the hearts and the minds of those that don't believe. The Bible says the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them that believe not. So listen, it takes more than just preaching to get folks saved. Somebody says, well, ain't nobody getting saved. It must be the preacher's fault. It takes more than just door knocking. To see people saved. It may takes more than just standing on the street corner to see people saved. It takes more than us just getting the gospel to them. God's got to get in that thing. God's got to get the increase. I used to think, I used to think that just to see people saved, you just got to tell them the gospel. Because I thought to myself, surely I tell the gospel, people are going to believe it. How could you not believe such a wonderful message? I found out. I found out it don't matter how much the light there is. If they're blind, they can't see. So I thought, let's just go turn all the lights on. Let's just get the gospel. And, and listen, we're supposed to get the light out. You can't have sight without light. But you can have light without sight. Here's where I'm, I'm trying to encourage you this morning, evening, morning. For those of you who are saved, and you are laboring in the gospel ministry with us, don't think it a failure. If we ever see anybody on this side come to Christ. Don't think it a failure. If God did not put that responsibility on us. He put the responsibility to go get the gospel out. And to say come, come, come. That's the responsibility we have. 
You don't have the responsibility of counting converts. I want to see them. I want to see them come to Christ. I want the numbers. Not to blow our head up, but just to know, hey, look what we're doing. It's working. It's working. But guess what? It's working whether we ever see it or not. Because God promised it would. It takes more than preaching to get folks saved. See, we can preach truth, but God, the Holy Ghost, has got to impart that truth. I'm not letting the Calvinists scare me out of that. God's got to turn. God's got to take the blinders off. You don't have to have some overwhelming feeling or, or overwhelming, uh, overwhelming pressure to be under conviction when God takes the blinders off. Somebody comes seeking to be saved, asking you about being saved. You don't have to ask them if they're under conviction or not. The devil ain't making them ask that question. Their flesh ain't making them ask that question. And they probably don't even know what that means. I believe there's a lot of lost people today because they came to be saved, but somebody said they wasn't under enough conviction to be saved. I believe there'd be a lot of blood on some people's hands who confused people. And I believe in the Holy Ghost conviction. That's what I'm talking about tonight. God's got to take the blinders off. But when God takes the blinders off, you're going to start searching. You're going to come, you're going to, come to Christ. You're not going to come to him. That's what he said in John 6, 44. That's what he said. You're not going to come to him unless he starts drawing you. Why? Because you're dead. Don't let somebody that don't know their Bible, some Roman Catholic priest that just changed the title of what he was to claim he was some other religion called the Protestant Reformation. Don't let that scare you out of what the Bible says. It's right, friend. It's right. God's drawing. So you've got to have light, but you've got to have sight. And so we, we, that's why, that's why we, we've got to go. We've got to get the light out, but we've got to pray. That's why we've got to pray. That's why we've got to pray for the lost people that we're witnessing to out there. But we've got to pray for the lost people that are in here. We've got to pray. Pray. Then we've got to all to pray. Well, we've got to be spirit filled when we're out there soul winning. We're out there giving the gospel out. We've got to have that anointing because we are dependent upon God to open blinded eyes to the gospel of Jesus Christ. We've got to understand nobody's going to be argued into the kingdom of heaven. Nobody's going to be educated into the kingdom of heaven. We've got to let the light shine, but when we when we got to preach and we got to get the gospel out, but remember, there is another dimension to this thing. A man that is blind has got to have the blinders taken off of him. And so we see here. Notice what the, G, the Lord did. And I'm done here. I'm not even going to finish the message. I'm going to, I'm going to stop right here. Look at verse 6 and 7. I'm done. Where am I back? Back in John. Back in John 9. Look what happens. Look what happens. Jesus did something pretty amazing, pretty weird. Maybe to us, but it'll make sense here in just a minute. Verse number six says, when he had thus spoken, he being the blind man, or I mean Jesus, the he being Jesus, when Jesus had thus spoken, Jesus spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with clay. There's a lot of weird stuff you'll read in books about what happened here, but I think the book has the answer. I don't know. I'm going to put this out here. You may not follow along with this, and if you got something in the Bible to prove me different, I'll, I'll take it. But, and I'm, 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 I mean that with all my heart. But, but here's what I believe was happening here. He spit upon the ground and made clay 
of the spittle. I believe that clay is a representation of humanity. Here's why I believe that. How did God make man? God made man from the dust of the earth. What does God call us throughout the Old Testament? He talks about us being of the dust. He talks about us being clay as he formed us. It speaks of his humanity. And what does humanity speak of? It speaks of weakness. It speaks of failure. It speaks of an inability to save oneself. I believe he puts that clay on his eyes and he represents your humanity is what has blinded you. Your weakness has blinded you. Your failure has blinded you. Your inability to save yourself has sealing out the lie. See, that's what's wrong with this man. Is his humanity, his nature. That's what's caused him to be blind. And that's what's caused you to be blind. You don't have to give me the list of the sins you've actually committed. You just realize I'm a sinner by nature. I'm human. I'm a human. I'm human. The clay of humanity is what caused my sin. But notice what Jesus said in verse 7. <laughs> this is good. And said unto him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sin. Can I just say it like, can I say it like this? I'm not changing the Bible. Go wash in the pool of scent. Go wash in the pool called scent. That, the scent pool. You say, well, what does that mean? I'm, if you don't go this route, if you think something different, if you found something in the Bible different, but I'm going to show you from the Bible what I think it means. Look in chapter 8. Look in chapter 8 and verse number 12. Chapter 8 and verse number 12, that conversation he's having with the Pharisees. And don't forget, they're hearing what's going on around here. We'll talk about that next time. They're hearing all about what's going on around this man. Watch verse 12. says, Then spake Jesus again of them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of light, light of life in him. They didn't like that, did they? They, they did not like what he just said. Look down in verse 23 of chapter number 8. He said this, and he said unto them, Ye are from beneath, I am from above. Ye are of this world, and I am not of this world. He says this, we ain't from the same place. I'm not from here. I'm, I'm, my origin is in heaven. I belong in heaven. I came from heaven. He's saying this. He's identifying himself with God the Father. And we've already preached all that, but I'm just making, I'm showing the case here. Look at verse number 26. Chapter 8, I have many things to say to judge of, the, of you, but he that sent me is true. There's that word sent. He that sent me is true. And I speak to the world those things which I have heard of him. Look in verse number 29. And he that sent me is with me. Go to chapter number 9, verse number 4. I must work the works of him that sent me while in his day here. Well, I am in verse number seven. He said, go wash in the pool called sent. Here's what I believe. Your humanity has blinded you. Your humanity has made you and enable, uh, enabled you to save yourself. You can't take the blinders off yourself. But oh, there's one that's been sent from heaven. There's one that's been sent from God. And it is true. And he is life. And he is life. And I'm going to do the works of the Father that sent me. Here I am. I'm the only one that can save you out of your blindness. 
I believe he's saying that pool represents me. I'm the one sent from heaven. I'm the one. I'm the heaven's answer for man's darkness. I'm, I, well, your humanity is blocking out the light, that dirt and that dust and that clay. But I've been sent from above. I'm heaven's light for earth's darkness. I'm the only one that can take away this darkness. The heaven sent son of God. I believe that's what he's saying here. You got to have more than light. You got to have sight. And he said, I'm here. To give you sight. To bring your sight. The man went and washed. He just obeyed. You know what he had to do to obey, don't you? He had to believe. I'm sure. I don't know. He's blind from birth. But it didn't say he was numb. So he had felt mud before. I'm sure he thought, what did he just put on my eyes? What did he just do? Maybe uh, maybe he heard Jesus spit on the ground. Maybe he heard it and he thought, what's he doing? And next thing he feels is wet mud. And thought, this dude just spit on me. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying, y'all, gotta, y'all can't forget these are normal people. I mean, I don't know if he hocked the loogie and spit. I don't want to get nasty before lunch. I'm hungry anyway. But <laughs> I don't want to ruin your lunch. Maybe he heard him spit. And the next thing he knows, and he thinks, what in the world? You know, he had, to, he had to turn from his way of thinking. He had to turn from him thinking he was good enough to heal his blindness. He had to turn from thinking he was okay being blind. See, I believe there's an there's a, there's a, 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 a issue today. And some people are brass about this and they're very bold about it and they'll put it a bumper sticker. I'm, I was born okay the first time. I don't know if you've ever seen that but, that. but you know what? You may not put it on a bumper sticker for your car but some of you think that. You, you, your repentance has to be of you thinking you're okay. you got good old boy religion. you got good old girl religion. You got, well, I don't do all the bad stuff everybody else does. Well, at least I'm not as bad as him or her, or at least I do this, or at least I do that. And here's what you're saying I'm okay being blind. That man could have said, Get that stuff off of me. I'm okay being blind. If that's what it takes to get, get healed, I don't want that on me. That's nasty. You know what the cross is to this world? The preaching of the cross? It's foolishness. You know why? Because it's nasty. Because I'm telling you why this world thinks it's foolishness. You, if you really believe what happened on Calvary is real, and you believe what happened on Calvary, you'll see how nasty your sin is. But that man didn't wipe it off. He didn't argue with him. He just walked over to that pool. And he took that water, and he washed that clay off his eyes. And said he washed and came seeing. There's a whole lot more here. And we see a, a progression in this man's sight. Brother Tim, if you come play softly, I'm not preaching this point, but I'm going to just give you this as a way of invitation. There's a progression in this man's sight. He first, he sees the man. You'll see, you read the story as your homework this afternoon. You see, he sees the man, this man put clay on me. This man put dirt on me. This man did this. Then all of a sudden, he goes from seeing him as just a man, he sees him as a prophet. 
They said, well, who, do you, who is this man? And he goes, a prophet. Got to be a prophet. Then this man admits something. The Pharisees knows it's true. But this man knows his Bible too. He'd been around the temple long enough. He had heard enough about the Messiah coming. He goes from seeing him just as a man and just as a prophet. He says, he's got to be from God. He says, uh, he, he gave sight to blind men. Only one sent from God can do that. And they get mad. They get mad. They say, where'd you get your learning from? Where'd you get your education from? You think you can teach us? You're a blind beggar. You think you can teach us? They get mad about it. He goes from seeing Jesus as a man to seeing man, Jesus as a prophet to seeing Jesus as, a, as sent from God. And I've got to say this, and he's still not saved. He's still not saved. And there are many in this room, maybe. I don't know if there's many or just a few, but there's many in this world for sure. But I believe there's, there's maybe some here. You believe he's a man. You believe he's real. You believe he's a prophet. You believe he's a good man. He was a teacher and everything he said was true. You believe all that. You believe he's from God. He's God's man. He, he, he was the man of God. You believe all of that. You're still not saved. Here's why. That man wasn't saved until he believed that he was the son of God. That's why Jesus asked him, do you believe on the son of God? That's why I read those verses to you. You believe the son of God? And what he asked, he said, who is the son of God that I might believe on him? Now, Jesus did not have to explain to this Jewish man what that meant to be the son of God. That man knew when Jesus said the son of God, he knew that he was speaking of the Messiah, but he was speaking of God in the flesh. That's why they're all mad at him. That's why the Pharisees want to kill him. They know he's claiming to be God in the flesh. And they know that the, the prophecies is that the son is going to be pierced one day. And the son is going to die for the sins of the world. They know that. That's why they're so mad about it. And that man knew it too. He said, who is the son of God that I might believe him? I, here's what I think he's saying. He's saying, I will believe on him if I knew who he is. If I know who he is, I believe on him. And Jesus says, you've seen him. And I'm him talking to you. What the Bible says? What does the Bible say? He believed on him and he worshiped him. There's his salvation. He had a miracle before he was even saved. I've got to hurry. I'm done. I'm trying to promise I'm done. But there's many people living a life because God saved them from something physically. God saved them from some physical ailment and they claim that is their salvation. That's not your salvation. Oh, I've had many of them I've witnessed to. I'd say, do you know that you're saved? Oh, yes. Now tell me about it. Now tell me about a car wreck that God rescued them from. You know what I'll say? I'll say, praise God, he did. But that's not what I'm talking about. Or they'll say, well, I was dying with cancer and I was on my deathbed and they had pronounced me dead four times and God raised me up off my deathbed. So yeah, I'm saved. No, 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 no. That's physical salvation. That man had that all the way in verse number seven. But he can get saved to verse 30 something. He recognized him as the son of God. Do you recognize Jesus as man? Good. Do you recognize him as prophet? Good. Do you recognize him as, a, as from God? Good. Well, let me ask you, do you know him as the son of God? As the savior, not just of the world, but your savior. 
that he died for your sins according to the scriptures, was buried and rose again the third day according to... You believe that this morning? Have you placed your faith in that? That and that alone? Are you going to die in your sins because you don't believe that he is him? Here he is again. I'm the light of the world. I'm the light of the world. You've got to believe that he's him. Let's all stand heads bowed and eyes closed. Christians, would you pray? Would you pray? Maybe in your seat or maybe in the altar or someone, would you pray? Let me ask you something. I've asked you too much. I've asked you too much. It's time for me to stop asking. The Lord's asking. Maybe the Lord is taking some blinders off this morning. And you are seeing yourself for the first time as in as depraved and dead and darkened. You are realizing for the first time that you are lost without God in need of a Savior. You're recognizing your need. And Jesus has passed by this morning. He's come by that the work of God may be made manifest in your life. He's come by this morning to show himself real. I wouldn't let anything stand between me and God tonight, this morning. I wouldn't let anything stand between me and God this morning. Do you know that you're saved? Let me ask you, do you know that you're lost? Dark in sin, depraved and dead. You know about God, but you don't know God. You know about the Lord Jesus Christ, but you don't know him. You know about what he did at Calvary, but you don't know him. What must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And thou shalt be saved. Whosoever believeth in his heart should not perish, but have everlasting life. Whosoever call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The God of this world is is darkening your understanding, but the God of heaven is taking some blinders off this morning. And the light is shining. He wants to give you sight. Please don't reject him today. Please don't turn him away. This man could have turned God away. He could have, I've already said that, he could have wiped that clay off in a different way. He could have went to a different pool. He could have done something else. But yet he obeyed. He obeyed the word of God. That's what salvation is. You obey the word of God and the word of God tells us the gospel is the only thing that has power to save. Obey the word of God. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things passed away. They kept questioning this blind man. 
about who he is. And he finally said, look, I've already told you what he did. I've already told you who I think he is. I'm not going to tell you again. You're not listening. He said, here's the one thing I do know is that I was blind and now I see. I was somebody different a few minutes ago, but now my life has been changed. Oh, what a change in my life since Jesus. Jesus.